Hi friend, do you ever need to create marketing materials easily? Whether you need to make flyers or artwork for your blog, your podcast, or any number of different things, check out Canva. Go to findyourflow.com forward slash Canva. That's C-A-N-V-A. I've been using the free version of Canva for many, many years, and I recently upgraded to the pro version, and it's awesome. So go to findyourflow.com forward slash Canva to learn more. And now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Find Your Flow radio show podcast. I'm your host, Winston Wittis, and I'm here today with a very special episode. Today's episode is Bohemian Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody. So this is the title of a Queen song. And the movie that came out recently with the same name, I got to see this movie a few weeks ago with my uh, work, with our company. We had a company team building, and we went and saw that movie, and it was really good. I really enjoyed it. I remember buying that album back when I was in probably, I don't know, fifth grade, maybe fourth grade, and... It was awesome, right? One song, I'll admit, got way more play than all the others. Can you guess which one it was? So seeing the movie was cool because I knew a lot more Queen songs than I realized, for one. And um, seeing the backstory of of a band and artists like that, I think it's just always a pretty cool thing, especially when it's done well like that. I think that movie is done really well. It's really cool. And for me, it ended up being very emotional, which I hadn't planned on, but probably should have. And uh, sitting next to my manager in the theater, which was cool and fun, until I started crying like a baby, which sucked, but is also good. It's an emotional movie. I'm not going to ruin it for you in case you haven't seen it. But um, I guess for me, it was emotional, probably not for everybody, because parts of it, I think, just were. You know, you see the whole backstory. But it reminded me of a lot of things of, you know, how much time I spent growing up, if you listen to the last episode, and um, spent a lot of time in with, you know, people who were very good friends of mine that I considered like family in our band, my best friends, right? We spent a lot of time together rehearsing and hanging out and partying and the whole thing. And we really wanted to make it, right? We were really hustling to to make it as a band, and uh, we actually had two bands. Three, three of us were in two bands together. So we were in this punk band, and then we also had a ska swing band, which was really fun. The Wise Guys. We all dressed up like mobsters. And uh, Wise Guys, you know, and um, play had like a 10-piece band. It's sick. So anyway, when we were... You know, my mom, my parents used to come out support at shows, some of the shows. That was uh, really fun. Having My parents were very supportive of me doing music. My mom, they did point out, though, that, you know, it's not like you got to have a plan B. That was a big thing I remember growing up. Like, yeah, it's awesome. Have fun. Go after it and have a plan B. And I always have. And um, growing up with, um, so yeah, seeing, you know, what he was going through and then seeing his mom and the whole thing. It's like, man, my mom passed away about nine years ago. And so she did come out to a lot of shows. And one of her 
dying wishes was that my brother and I would play shows together because we, I don't know, that we played a couple of shows together, or at least a show that I can think of off the top of my head. But he's a drummer and he's got his own bands and, um, you know, I haven't been playing out other than for corporate gigs and private events. I haven't done any, like, artistic shows in I don't know how many years. But I've got this show coming up and it is a private party but I'll be honest, friends, um, I've been jaded, I guess is a good word, or, or yeah, it's probably the best word, for a lot of years, which sucks to admit. I hate to say it, right? But it's true. In the last episode growing up, I rambled on for way too long about different random things. I didn't have a good point, so I apologize, but um, it was helpful for me <laughs> to ramble. So I did DJing. So as I, okay, growing up, I'm going to guess I'm going to keep that theme going for a minute here because part of growing up is making money, I guess, is actually like a part of something that's important to say, right? Like as you grow up, for most of us, Maybe you already grew up with a strong money awareness. Maybe you didn't. But as we get older, generally we have to kind of be more aware of it because we have to pay for things now, right? We have to maybe pay for other people, support other people financially. And so this becomes more and more important as we get older, in my personal experience. So while I was DJing and making money when I was younger, fresh out of college, it wasn't making enough money to grow up more with, right? It was like I could, and that's not a good way to say it, to become more materialistic with, right? I wanted more material things, or my my wife did, and both of us did, right? We wanted to be able to eat out more or go places, these kind of things. And the money I was making DJing from the clubs wasn't that, that much, it's all relative, right? But for us, in our lifestyle, it wasn't that that much. It was enough to keep doing what I loved, and that was awesome for years until it wasn't. And then I was like, okay, how are we going to make more money? And so I started teaching private music lessons, which I loved, and then I started teaching in uh, you know private music schools. And then I started taking on corporate clients and weddings. And I made way more money once I started taking on wedding clients because there's just a lot more money in the wedding industry than there is in the nightclub industry for the most part. It's kind of, it's, it's easier to make money in the wedding industry than it is in the clubs. So it's like, well, shoot, I guess I should do more of this because I'm still DJing, still playing music. However, there was a certain special kind of sacrifice that I had to make. I When I'm in the clubs, when I was in the clubs DJing, I was playing whatever the heck I wanted to play. Playing my favorite music. I was playing records that I went out and personally handpicked from the crates at the record shops that some people had never even heard before. A lot of people had never heard before. Most people had never heard before because it had just come in from Europe or from wherever. And I was one of the first people to physically lay hands on it. Uh, and then to be able to break the record out in the clubs, that was a really special thing that I really enjoyed. And as I transitioned into corporate events, 
and weddings, I quickly realized nobody there wanted to hear any of that music. That was the exact opposite of what those people were paying me to play. They were paying me to play the most popular music that everybody had heard all the time and that you hear over and over and over again at these same kind of events or on the radio all day. And so all of a sudden, I was faced with this kind of choice, right? I could keep being an artist and true to my the kind of music I want to play and the lifestyle, or I could keep my wife happy and make enough money to, you know, do these other things we wanted to do. And all I would have to give up would be the kind of music that I was playing. And the kind of, and the kind of events I was playing it at, I guess that's also important, right? To be honest. So, and the shift that comes with it, right? When I, my first wedding was quite an eye-opening experience. I went from being in the, the club where I had a level of status that was pretty cool, right? Whenever I would play at events, um, I got my friends in, my wife and her friend in for free. Uh, you know, didn't have to wait in line. We got free drinks. Got a, you know, I knew everybody there and it was very fun and cool and it was a great experience, right? And then I go to this place where I'm working this, uh, oh, fudge. Wow. Rock just rolled straight up my car. That was nuts. I'm on the freeway, I'll point out. Went right up my windshield, rolled right over it. That was insane. Okay. My first wedding, I made like three times as much as I was making in the clubs on any given night. And um, I had some interesting experiences. I had met with the couple beforehand, very nice couple. And, uh, you know, the groom had some very interesting selection of music that he wanted me to play. And I was like, okay, whatever, you're paying me. I'm cool with it. It was a very down-tempo and um, intelligent is what they used to kind of call some of that kind of music back then. And, uh, <laughs> and I was playing it at the wedding, you know. We're waiting for things to kind of get going. And I already played through all of the music like three times. And people were getting anxious, you know, people were coming up and telling me, hey, DJ, can you play something else? This music sucks. DJ, hey, can you play? And this one lady comes up and gives me money. It's like, hey, please play something else. It's like, okay, fine. You know, like, surely, this, the, you know, the couple's heard this enough times. We can mix in some other things for the guests, right? So I start playing some other song. Not even a minute into it, the groom is in my face, red, pissed. I told you I'd play this music, blah, 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 blah. It's like, holy Jesus. I've never had somebody get that crazy in my face at a gig. And I was like, okay, okay, you know, no problem. And I switched it back to his stuff. And the lady who had, you know, paid me to play something else came up to me. And um, she was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like, you know, she witnessed the whole thing. And so she gave me some more money. And she's like, I'm so sorry. I was like, hey, that's okay. Like, that was crazy. Like, we were both in shock. And, um you know, I was like waiting around, I was thirsty, and like nobody was bringing me any drinks, and I was like, what is going on here? And I realized like, oh, I have to go get my own drink. <laughs> it's like, what? Okay. And um, so I had these kind of experiences that were very different, and, and kind of opened my eyes to like, hey, this is a different scene. You know, if I want to be good at this and make this kind of money, I have to learn these new skills. I have to learn how to control this event. I have to learn, I, I have a lot to learn right? That was what became very apparent very quickly. 
And so I did. You know, I kept at it. I kept getting more and more wedding gigs and more and more corporate gigs and playing music that I wasn't really honestly that thrilled about because it's, it's a lot of the same stuff. And so it's like I've heard all these songs a thousand times, but for each time, it was like the first time for these people. They loved it every time. It's like, oh, yeah, this song. Ah. It's like, dude, you, this really? But who am I to judge, right? It's not my event. They're paying me to play the songs that they want to hear. So there was this kind of like, you know, on the one hand, I'm quote unquote selling out. And on the other hand, it's like I'm offering this valuable service that people are willing to pay for. Nobody was willing to pay me that kind of money in the clubs to hear the kind of stuff that I wanted to hear. That was the hard fact that I kept running up against. It's like, okay, well, I could keep doing what I love and serving this small group of people over here, which is, you know, part of my passion and I feel great about, but I'm also not getting that much in return for it financially or I could go over here and still do something I love. It's better than getting a day job and make these people really happy, a much bigger group of people happy, and they'll give me way more money. It's like, gosh darn it. Well, you know, I've been doing the club thing for a lot of years. I've been partying for a lot of years. This is still a form of partying. It's a little different, but, you know, I'm growing up. I guess I got to do what I got to do, right? Keep the wife happy. We want to have kids someday. Got to grow up. And so I did. And so did that for a lot of years. So now, anyway, fast forward 20 years, 15 years, and here I am. And I'm still doing gigs. So I got the, so, so anyway, part of it was when I was doing club stuff, there's, there's an art to mixing records, right? And uh, now we don't mix records really anymore. It's been vinyl and even, uh, I'm sorry, not vinyl, um, CDs. But even CDs, a lot of people don't even use CDs anymore. Now it's all off the hard drive. And they use special controllers that look like CDs or vinyl to control actually a hard drive on a computer. But anyway, the art form, when I transitioned from being a club DJ to being a wedding DJ slash corporate DJ, a lot of that part also got kind of left out because people couldn't tell whether I was doing an excellent, amazing mix or whether I was just not doing an amazing mix. And at a certain while, I just got tired of that. It's like, you guys have no idea, from my you know opinion, whether like nobody seems to care. As long as I just play the top forty tracks that are hot right now, nothing else even matters. And just experiencing that time and time again, it, eventually the artist in me is like, you know what? Doesn't even this doesn't even matter. This is a job. It became a job, right? And I, I want to point out that I've worked and had many, many clients that, that are also good friends over the years. So I really, you know, also have, like, I didn't want to say these kind of things because I love them. And it's not like I'm not enjoying having fun at their events and making it an amazing celebration, right? Because that's the other part. It's like, well, these are amazing people. And I want to make them happy. And I want to play songs that are going to get them and all their friends dancing and give them something that they'll remember for the rest of their lives, right? That There's that part of it, too. So it's all this kind of balance, right? It's like, okay, well, here's me using my skills to serve people and play music that they want and make their event amazing. That's a skill. It takes a lot of skill to do that. There's a lot involved, right? And then there's also the um, the part that is uh, the artist in me that says, okay, that's cool, but let's not forget that you have some important things as an artist to do as well. And those things, yeah, there there are times when they kind of overlap and there are times when they just do not. And that 
And so be aware of that. And don't forget about the artist. Because that guy is still in there. And he still wants to say important things and do important things with through art and music. Yeah. Growing up, getting to the point of seeing that. And then being in a position financially to also be implementing that. The part that is pure art that has no attachment to the financial outcome of it. Having the financial outcome worked out through these other paths puts less pressure on the art itself, less financial pressure, right? And that's the position that I'm very excited to be in. And so I have this gig coming up in less than a month now, and I've played this gig before, and it's been one of those same kind of things where it's like, you know, play the top 40 or maybe some other off random stuff that these people want to hear. Nothing I'm particularly excited about for the most part. But again, I'm getting paid to play what other people want. But I also do get a little bit more flexibility with this particular gig. And the last couple of times I've played it, you know, I've just been doing my usual. I've added in some live stuff. I used to add in a lot more live stuff. But over the years, I've, again, gotten a little jaded, a little tired of the whole the whole thing, right? But once upon a time ago, I would have been so excited to play these kind of gigs. I used to get super excited, right? I'd go all out and I'd bring all this extra gear and play this crazy live performance with all my instruments and lights and smoke and the whole thing. And over the years, it's like, well, I don't want to carry that thing. I don't, I don't, do I really need this thing? Nah, this is one more thing that could get broken. That's one more thing I have to carry and pack and unpack and blah, blah. And so over the years, I've gotten more and more minimal where it's like, what's the least amount of stuff I can pack up and bring to a gig? And part of that is smart. Part of it is efficiency, right? And then some of it is, um, it's the, the jadedness, I think. And so as I was booked for this, this upcoming gig, it's like, you know what? This gig is awesome. It's really fun. And there are ways that I could really have fun again playing music. So this month for me is all about, not all about, but largely about keeping that perspective, right? Not the old jaded, grumpy Winston that doesn't want to leave the house, but the young Winston that was hip and fun and cool, that can't wait to play a gig with amazing people and awesome things and, um, you know, play some of my own music, some of my own songs, and even maybe start to share some of that music before the gig so that people that go to it can expect and know the songs before I play them live. And maybe even be excited to hear me play them live. Imagine that. It's been a while before I did something like that. So I started kind of just taking the opportunity to get excited about what I'm doing. And that's huge. That's huge. I don't remember the theme of the podcast today. I've been rambling so long. But some, somehow it kind of became growing up part two, I think, because I'm way more grown up than I was 20 years ago, 15 years ago. And yet there are parts of that dream that are still very much alive within me. They may have shifted or evolved a little bit. And that's awesome. That's okay, right? As my life has changed and experience has changed. So what are the things that maybe have changed for you? What things did you think you would be doing 
and you are doing? What things did you think you would be doing and you are certainly most not doing? And do you still want to do them or have you evolved to the point where that's not really a thing you want to do anymore? And uh, if not, why not? How might you still be able to put those things, work toward those things? Do you have a plan? Are you working your plan? Do you have a mentor, somebody who can help you hit the goals for that plan? Those are things to think about, friend, as you grow up. And as I would recap the title of this episode, if I can remember what it was when I started. We're going to call it Growing Up Part 2 now. Probably. Probably. All right, friend. It's been real. And I appreciate you. And I hope that you're doing things that make you happy in life. Because life is short, right? We grow up, hopefully. But that's not a guarantee either. Because, unfortunately, things happen to people that are way too young. Right? So let's enjoy ourselves and each other. Let's keep it real out there. Let's use our blinker when we're driving for flow. Blink for flow, friend. And until next time... Be flowing. Well, thanks for listening, friend. By the way, do you have a story that you would like to share with other flowers? Maybe you'd like to put it in a book. Well, go to findyourflow.com forward slash author club and learn how you can publish your own book or become a published author in the Find Your Flow book series. Simply go to findyourflow.com forward slash author club, all one word, and be sure to join the free Facebook group while you're at it. Thanks, friend. And until next time, be flowing.